And this episode of the Disney Dads Podcast is brought to you by Away With Me Travel, the official travel agency of the Disney Dads Podcast and our YDF Media. There's nothing better than traveling to Walt Disney World over the holidays. Right now, we have an amazing offer going on for our Disney Dads family. Tell me a little bit about it, Jamie. I'm so excited to be able to bring this incredible offer to our family, and that is if you book a vacation package now through the end of December 2019, we are giving a complimentary party ticket to either Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party or Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. So contact us for details, and we can get you that incredible offer. Contact us at show at awaywithmetravel.com, and we can't wait to get you to these amazing parties today. And this episode of the Disney Dads Podcast is brought to you courtesy of our Patreon supporters. Want to support the show? Become a Patreon member. Thank you. Thank them. Now enjoy the show. Round one was over. <laughs> Parents won. Kids sip. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Can we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen, start your engines. There's a touch of madness around here. Hello and welcome to the Disney Dads Podcast. My name is Jason and those two amazing guys across from me who are my absolute favorite people in the world, Mike and Justin, getting ready for the holiday season. Gentlemen, it's good to see you guys. How are you? Doing good, buddy. It's uh, chilly. It's we're finally getting that northeast weather. Uh, we're expecting snow tonight. A little early for November, but uh, I blame that on all of you people that have your trees up already because it is not Christmas, as I've said till after Thanksgiving. But apparently, you guys are rushing the holiday, and we're getting snow tonight. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, fellas. Hey, it's listen. It's beginning to look a lot Come like Christmas. I have watched your video a thousand times. <laughs> the one I sent you guys? <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. It is the it is the introduction to the Christmas season for the Suter House. I love it. I don't know why we can't celebrate both at the same time. I Look, I had to... Uh, I mowed today to get ready to put up Christmas decorations Yes, outside. and I'm looking forward to that because every year that's quite the thing for you. Bigger and bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, we got our we got our like our twelve foot yeah, Mickey yeah. that goes out in the front yard. We got Mickey Minnie playing the piano. We got yeah, it's it's Disney Disney fied. Um, everything here is awesome, man. We've we've had a great week. It's been really really good. Uh, it's weird though because we're getting cold weather too. It's supposed to be in the thirties here um, on Saturday, so yeah, that's, that's... going to be a strange little uh, twist. Also, can we can we talk for just a second about sure. daylight savings time? And how I wish it would just go away. You say that every year. It's the worst. It's the worst. I can. (laughs) It's I can understand back in the day when you needed extra time Mm -hmm. to plow the fields and all that. But we have headlights now on tractors. It's fine. I like that extra hour of sleep, though. That's kind of like a guaranteed hour of sleep. 
till they take it back from you in the spring. That's yeah. Well, now we can stop now. We're good. We don't gotta do the. That's whole like st- saying you. That's like saying you love a, a new relationship until you break up. I uh, I think there's a growing trend. I, you know, I would be very surprised if it's not removed in the next decade. I mean, what, really, what's the point? It's a it's nuisance. You know, it's uh, how yeah. many people were late for work or early for work or whatever time of the year. Um, are you guys guilty of that? Because I know I was. One one time in my career, I was the guy that showed up an hour late for work and an hour early for work. So that's twice. No? Well, I never know up from down because I think I told you guys last week when we had a holiday or two weeks ago, I went and stood at the post office at like – Eight uh-huh. fifty to mail a package, and nine o'clock came. They didn't roll the door up and like open. Nine ten came, and I thought, man, they're like, people are coming in like dropping letters and leaving. I thought they're really running late today. And about nine fifteen, a guy goes, you know, they're closed, <laughs> right? It's the holiday. Sure, <laughs> sure, okay. All right. I didn't know. Hey, but thank speak, you. speaking of holidays, let me go ahead back. and uh, give some props out there because we are we have a holiday. Actually, this is going to drop right after our uh, Veterans Day. And uh, to women, I know we've got a huge veteran following, and I just want to say thank you to you guys, um, young and old, past and present. Uh, you guys uh, are are ha- always have a special place in my heart. So thank you for um, you know taking that oath and allowing me and my family to be safe. And I'll just leave that at that. And next close of business would be our Marine Corps birthday is also this weekend. I would like to say happy birthday, Marines, Semper Fi. And that's all I got to say about that. Now we can go on to Disney. Disney. And I'll tell you what, tonight's show is a lot of fun. One that I think a lot of people, they may not think about this and the effect that this has had over their lives and uh, and other theme parks around the world. And tonight we're going to discuss how Walt Disney and Walt Disney World and Disneyland have affected theme parks around the globe. I mean, the, there are so many things that exist now that you may not realize that Walt Disney either created or um, or kind of reinvented, reinvigorized uh, these these previous ideas to really put them into the mainstream of these other theme parks around the world. Um, you know, Walt was an innovator when it comes to film, and he was an innovator when it comes to thinking. The one thing I love about Walt Disney is he was always watching. The man, even in his downtime, even when he was sitting on a bench, uh, he was always watching. He was watching how long people would carry trash um, until they would throw it on the ground or throw it away. He was watching uh, how people moved within malls and how they moved within carnivals and things like that. For Walt, it was always a uh, a look at how people and groups of people and uh, move and, and how he could use that to build the perfect theme park. Because when he gets his idea for Disneyland, of course, he wants it to be the perfect, perfect theme park. I think, guys, tonight we will start with how Walt affected the design of theme parks around the world. Now, let me ask you both this. I, growing up in Kentucky, of course, I was not near Walt Disney World. I was a Disney kid. I went quite a bit. But I was a Kings Island guy. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Kings Island. Uh, up in north of Cincinnati, uh, I would go to Kings Island. And, you know, at the time, it was just a fun theme park. You didn't realize how it was laid out. Um, but that theme park resembles a lot of the same qualities 
that Disneyland and Walt Disney World have. What theme parks, when you guys were growing up, did you attend or did you go to? Did you have close to? Uh, we had Six Flags in New Jersey that was close to us. Uh, it's it's a pretty you know Six Flags is a franchise, and um, they have some pretty good mm-hmm. thrilling rides. And they were that was the you know hour and a half two hour ride car trip for us and our parents. Uh, I did it with my kids a few times, and it was a, it's a pretty large expansive theme park. So obviously not Disney. And um, it's funny, as we're talking about this show tonight, as you visit this theme park, because it's local and something that's quick and easy to do during the summertime, you realize how much you appreciate Disney uh, when you go to something like that. I think the only other place that's pretty close to us that we go to also, which is pretty close to Disney, but just not there, is the Hershey Park. Uh, Hershey Park has quite a big... um, theme park, uh, amusement park, museum, uh, factory, and concert series. So they, it's, it's a pretty big, expansive place, too, where they make the chocolate. I was waiting for Coney Island to come off the tongue. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I was, too. I was there like, like, like Just Island, like right? Disney, Coney Island. No, Come no. on now. Hey, you know, you mentioned Hershey <laughs> Park. Um, I had an opportunity to go up. To, and to answer your question is we also had a Six Flags. It was about five hours away. So this was maybe a once every other year trip, um, you know. I mean, this was back, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, look at, I mean, I'm 44, so uh, we didn't have, really have the main highway going through. It was the two lane. So a five hour drive on a two lane road was yeah. uh, that's kind of enduring, you know. Um, however, I will say this: uh, going to your Hershey Park, um, I did go up to Hershey Park, and now how far is that from you? Hershey Park's about like, three and a half hours from me. Okay, it's about. About two and a half hours from her grandma's, too. You know, that's not a bad meeting spot sometime in the yeah, summertime. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe. We usually do it as an overnight, um, too, because it's a little bit too much to drive. Yeah. Maybe, maybe four hours. So we usually make a weekend out sure. of it. Sure. So my wife uh, would go up there all the time um, because she lived uh, so close. A uh, very clean mm-hmm. park, yep. Mike. It was a very, very clean park. A very, very well-run park. Um, and, when, you know, when you talk about... Um, you know, a, a lot of parallels with Disney, uh, Justin. Uh, Hershey Park is probably the closest thing I could say to Disney as far as all the way around. You know, the one thing about theme parks when you look at them is, take, for example, you look back at theme parks from way back in the day. And a great example is Kennywood, which was uh, started in 1898. And the thing with Kennywood is if you ever, if right now, if you could Google Kennywood, um, it was in Pittsburgh, uh, you can see the layout, and it's just confusing. There's nothing. There's no rhyme or reason to why things are placed where they are. It looks like. Do you remember the mm-hmm. game Roller Coaster Tycoon? Looks like every okay. park I built in Roller Coaster Tycoon. There's no rhyme or reason. Uh, there was multiple entrances all around the theme park. You know, because in their mind they thought, well, it's easier for people to get out. Well, really, it wasn't because people were having to backtrack. They didn't know where they were going. You know, everything's taller than you, so you don't you lose track of where you are. Um, and it just it had no structure to it at all. And when Walt was kind of coming up with the idea for Disneyland, he took places like that and he said, well, that's exactly what I don't want. Um, I don't want people to have to double back on themselves. I don't want people to have to walk you know, more than they, they would need to to get from one attraction to the other. And he starts to come up with these ways to design a theme park and uh, he sits down with his planner Marvin Davis and they draw over 200 sketches of what Disneyland will look like and uh, when when it's all said and done we get the tried and true look of every Disney theme park and of many theme parks around the world and uh, and that's the hub and spoke design 
I think one of Walt's best quotes when it came to developing his hub and spoke design was, uh, Disneyland is going to be a place that you can't get lost or tired unless you want to. And that pretty much sums it up. Uh, I think he even had a term called museum feet because he talked about, because, you know, like you said, he liked to watch a lot of stuff, whether it was people putting in trash or whatnot. So he would go to a lot of these places like museums and other parks and other places where there'd be a lot of people gathering. And museum feet was one of those things, a term that he kind of made up where how much walking he would do to go through this entire museum, to be able to see everything. And he felt like he was tired, he was beat, and it really took away from the enjoyment and the attraction because you spend so much time walking around. So he, he really wanted to develop a design where you can maximize your your time and space and, and not walking around so much and feel tired and overwhelmed and feel like you're, you're, you're rushed out, you know, you're, you're bummed for the day because your, your feet are aching or you're just too tired to be walking around. When you start talking about the hub and spoke, the, the concept is so, so easy. I mean, it's such a, such a, like, mm-hmm. is the term stupid simple comes to mind. Um, what a great way to um, herd the guest. And I'll even use that word, herd the guest. You know what I mean? What a great way to um, uh, open everything up for everybody. And, and the most important part is what a great way to give everybody eyes on, if you, if you follow the Hub and Spoke, um, to spend their money. Different different areas and different avenues to yeah. want to spend their money. I mean, look, I'm sure Walt didn't want somebody leaving going, where did you get that? I didn't even see that store. Where was that at? That that was an opportunity missed right there. This hub and spoke really kind of just, just makes everything um, available. And I guess in the end, um, isn't that what it's all about is, is how much money can I make? Yeah, definitely. And I think, too, the fact that when you have a central place, you know, look, theme parks can be confusing for people who have never been there. I mean, you're trying to know where to go, where are we meeting? Hey, you know, grandma doesn't want museum feet, so she's going to sit on this bench and she's going to meet us, meet up with us in a little bit. We're going to head over to ride Space Mountain. We're going to go to Splash Mountain. Where can we meet? You know, if you don't have that design, well, we're going to meet here. Well, where is that? How easy is it to go, we're going to meet in front of Cinderella Castle? No matter where you are in the park, you can see Cinderella Castle. And that's one thing that, that Walt really went for was crowd distribution with the hub and spoke design. It's funny whenever you enter the Magic Kingdom to see people which way they go if you kind of watch, you know. And I think it's changed a little bit with the fast pass system because now people go where they have their fast passes. But I mean, if you're following it the way the story's told, you go left and you go through, and you you know, Adventureland, a Frontierland, Liberty Square, Fantasyland, and make your way around. Uh, but it, it it makes it like you said, Jason, stupid, stupid, simple. And another thing it did was it absolutely controlled park attendance. You know, back when we were doing um, Walking with Walt, and uh, we talked a little bit about it in the Disney Eight as well. Uh, you know, opening day of Disneyland, they had zero control. Even though they had the hub and spokes design, they had zero control. Uh, people were climbing fences to get in. They were, you know, the farmers were bringing their ladders and, and charging people to go up and over the, the walls. Because you have now one entrance and one exit, you know how many people have entered and exited the park. When you had park exits and entrances all over, it's hard to keep track of that. The one, th- the one thing with the hub and spoke design too is, you can, 
keep your stories in specific areas, you know, and it gives you that whole theming as you're going around from land to land to land. You know, if you just had one vast wide open area and you didn't have the hub and spoke design, you wouldn't have that story. You, you've, you've, you've mentioned before on the podcast before how you get the popcorn, you know, when you first walk into Magic Kingdom because you're about to be enveloped in the story. And that is an amazing part of following the pattern around to learning the story of the, the, the attraction you're about to be on and the park itself. Let me just add one more thing to that too with the hub and spoke. And you mentioned the different lands, Mike. Um, it also allows the cast members to not mingle and mix between lands. You know, it's that, that design there. And yeah. I understand there's an underground thing, uh, but the, um, you know, when you got the hub and spoke, you know, you got little fingers out. There's no, there's no crossing. There's no need for any crossing. And um, it, it, it I mean, really, it's just it's such a brilliant, brilliant way to do things. Well, I think, too, it, it, like you, you were talking about storytelling, it allows mm-hmm. you to have transitions in the stories. Whereas if it's random, you can't have those transitions. I mean, if you look and you are at Crystal Palace, right? And you have this decadent building with, you know, glass, you know, everything, and it's beautiful, and you're looking to your, you know, you're looking at that, and you're looking to your left, and you're looking down Main Street. And then if you take... 20 steps to the right all of a sudden instead of these very ornate bushes and and everything's clean kept and and very nicely trimmed now everything's overgrown there's massive banana leaves there's you know there's all this stuff you're transitioning into adventureland so you have that also i think we would be absolutely remiss to if we didn't talk about what the hub and spoke design really meant for walt Walt never wanted, especially Walt Disney World, to ever be finished. You know, he wanted there to always be the opportunity to build, grow, uh, and do all that. If you don't have the hub and spoke design, now you're looking at if things are random and you want to put in a Seven Dwarfs Mine Train or you want to put in, you know, something in Adventureland, what are you going to do? You know, you don't have that space available maybe there. Now you've got to put it somewhere else. So I think the hub and spoke design has allowed the park to grow and still keep its theming. Whereas if it didn't have that, there's you know you would you would you'd be lost. The story would be lost. We've made quite a few improvements to it. You know, by expanding some of the areas, like they have that new fireworks viewing area in front, and and they and believe it or not, with that simple design, they've been able to expand on it even within the same amount of area. You know, they've had those new garden areas and those new. Uh, fast pass firework viewing spots so even with that simple design they're still able to make changes and still stay within the original pattern so to speak yeah oh definitely yeah 100 percent. and two look what it allows you to do with things like fireworks and also with things like um the parades i mean it it's it it moves people in a way to where it makes complete sense to be able to you know, have the fireworks at night and have the parades during the day and hopefully a fire, a parade at night sometime. Uh, we'd like our parade back, please. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. The perfect design. And you see it now, not so much. I want, I don't want to say hub and spokes, but let's take universal for example, right? You have one entrance and one exit other than riding, you know, riding, uh, from Hogwarts over, you just, you have one entrance, one exit. You have around the lake, you know, at Islands of Adventure. You have around the lake at Universal. It just it's much easier, and you know they took that. You know they took that from Disney because it makes sense. You know one thing we talked about too is theming, guys. 
the thing that Walt, I think, really introduced to theme parks was you got away from, I mean, we just said it, theme parks. You got away from it being a amusement park, and now it is a theme park. Amusement parks were what we all grew up with back when we were younger, where you had a roller coaster, and a roller coaster was a roller coaster. That was it. It didn't have a story. It didn't have anything. You were just there to go down the big hill, maybe go upside down, and that was it. Now you get to where you have a theme to everything. Everything has a story. And what Walt brings to that uh, is second to none. I mean, he's he's one of the greatest storytellers. Well, I've said over and over time. again the word escapism, right? I mean, it's yeah, this yeah. is absolutely an escape. I and mean, when we start talking about the Disney bubble, we can actually break that down into even smaller segments of, you know, hey, I am inside, you know, I am in in the Mexican Pavilion, like at Epcot, or I am in Adventureland. You know, with with the yeah. uh, the scenery and the, you know, I mean, you putting me into an attraction like the Jungle Cruise. I mean, this is this is something that that I will um, I will I'll fight anybody over. Is Walt Disney was the king at creating escapism, creating us, allowing us to just just disappear within his story that he created. Yeah, I think one of the best places you can see that is even in the pavilions. You know, when you're walking around Epcot, when you go into those little country areas, you know, you literally feel like you're walking into another country. You know, between the flowers, between the design, the architecture, even the stuff that's in the gift shops. You know, if you want some weird Canadian soap, you go to Canada. You know, if you want some kind of, you know, uh, uh, Mexican, (laughs) you know, uh, sculpture or toy, you go into the Mexican pavilion. And you have that whole... uh, ambiance of those particular areas and the storytelling when you're there you know it really brings you into that moment same thing with all of the lands Tomorrowland, uh the, the countries in epcot uh adventureland like you said all those little areas are so the the story behind them and the cast members behind them really bring you into that i had somebody buy me uh bigfoot soap from canada one time that's right no, that's why I, I remember that's why i brought that up yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, it was one of Riley's friends that they had went down on a trip. Um, you know, too, it's it's funny to watch now. It's hard to say people play catch-up, but that's what they're doing. Because whenever you have an innovative person like Walt Disney with an idea like Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and uh, the fact that he could use his storytelling to bring these places to life and to, like you said, escape reality and take you in and, and tell you these stories through attractions. But now you see things like... Um, you know, like uh, 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 Six Flags that does, they'll take their roller coaster they already had, paint it black, and just call it like Batman Rides Again. You know what I mean? Or something mm-hmm. like that. Like they're trying to catch up to that way of, hey, this isn't just just a uh, a ride. This is going to be an attraction. This is going to be have a story behind it. But I don't think that these other theme parks really stand a chance. I mean, Universal does it. The second best by far. I mean, SeaWorld's trying to get on, on board with stuff like that. But the way that Disney can take a story and really just 360 degree wrap you and envelop you in the queue, the ride, and, and everything, and that's how you know. And also, I mean, look, the theming with characters in the parks. You know, now you, you go anywhere. I, I took Riley bowling the other day, right? And there was a. I'll have Katie put the picture up because I took a picture with it. There was a um, a happy okay. birthday bear. Guy, you know, do 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 do. And uh, I went and took my picture. But now you see theming with characters right. everywhere. 
Walt was Walt's the inventor of that. When he sat down with Marvin Davis and they came up with this design, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I I can see what I want in my head, and my and, and I would end up with action points. You know what I mean? That's what I would have ended up with. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, have I you have. seen that I, yet? Is that I, good? I'm, I'm a, but I'm a huge Johnny Knoxville fan. So, I mean, yeah, yeah I thought it was yeah. fantastic. But that's what I would have ended up with. And I would have just been there, you know, just suck it up. It didn't hurt. You know, I don't need a lawyer. Um, you know, Walt has a lot more class than I do. But um, what a, I don't want to say a risk, but talk about not being afraid to innovate a whole genre of, of you know, uh, and I'll just use the word amusement park and change it into something that is going to change uh, change the world forever. I got to give him credit for that, man. I really oh, do. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Well, and we talking about theming, and you have to go from theming to storytelling, you know. And now you're talking about using animatronics and and uh, to tell to tell stories. I mean. With being the innovator of animatronics, I mean Disney owns; they have the patent on the word anima yeah. audio animatronic. I mean that is one of the things that they absolutely own. And um, and the the fact that this was all inspired by Walt and Lillian and a very small bird. Yeah, you know Walt was down in New Orleans and he found this kind of an animatronic bird and Walt being Walt and not being satisfied with anything he wanted to make it better so before giving it to his wife who we actually bought it for he gave it to his engineering team and uh, he said I need this to be remade but I want it done better you know I want this better than what this is I want to know how this takes I want to know how this works uh, this is what I want this is the direction I want to go in uh, and he had a team and they were the, called the, uh, the the Wed Enterprises and they were responsible for a lot of the, the audio animatronics that you see today uh, they didn't invent it, but they made it better. They took something that was out there and they really, really brought the technology to where it is today. You know, and I and they went from small things like a little nine-inch sculpture that they started off with, and then they wound up going to something huge, which was one of their biggest accomplishments, and that was Abraham Lincoln. And um, they did that in Disneyland, and that was the I'd say the. This, the jump-off point for where the audio animatronics came, uh, Walt also wanted something that big because when his audio team, when his audio animatronics team was developing these things, they were having a hard time hiding the mechanisms, so they had to make them big so that they could really make them lifelike. Uh, I remember in my childhood as a kid, my mom dragging me to the Hall of Presidents. I was probably 13 years old. Those animatronics at my age, well, probably younger than it, maybe I was 9 or 10, I thought they were real people. That's how good and how detailed they were. So they were definitely the the jump-off point. They they were on point with making these things better than anybody else. With Walt, and you're talking about great moments with Mr. Lincoln, who, you know, is he's needing something for the World's Fair, uh, 1964 World's Fair, and he wants to do this huge uh, endeavor, like you're talking about, Mike, with the Hall of Presidents, but he, you know, he starts with the Lincoln, and he gets actually the state of Illinois to pay for this, and uh, it, it's it's a great um, starting off point. Now, let me say this about audio animatronics: yes, the the fact that they were able to build and make it work is is absolutely crazy. I mean, the fact that they're able to implement that and it's almost a timeless way. But the the way they can use audio animatronics to tell a story 
is is something the world's never seen before. This is brand new. Of course, you know, like Mike said, there's other people had done animatronics on a smaller scale, but the way they use it to tell a story, it has never been seen. And then to implement that into a theme park is a first, and that changes theme parks forever because now you see audio animatronics in other theme parks across the world. Yeah, but man, I'll tell you what, the the, the showbiz bear was nothing like the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> <laughs> they they got yeah. it uh, as far as like – but here's the thing too is this with uh, Walt Disney and um, Disney Core is they're not afraid to slap patents down on things. So, you know, no, 100%. As they should, and so when something works where, hey, we can, we can get a gyro to do this with the cheek to make the cheek, you know, move more fluent, there's a patent. And guess what? Nobody else is going to touch it. You know these people that design these things – you're talking about Wed Enterprises. It is Walter Elias Disney, so it's Wed. Um, but did you know that there is a uh, something like that today that our Imagineers go to? Yep, and about once or twice a year they, they meet up and they have this convention where they get together with the Imagineers and, uh, and they showcase what they're working on and kind of these new inventions and new things, and, and a lot of them get shelved. And what happens is, is like, let's say I'm building Pandora, and I'm like, I remember two years ago they had this laser um, prism that would look great right here. And they would call these up and go, hey, I got something for that laser prism. Bring it over. Uh, what a what a cool um, uh, relationship that, uh, you know, Wet Enterprises developed into. Um, I mean, it's almost kind of like I always picture like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You know, the guys tinkering in the basements trying to create new things. Well, and the it's talking about tinkering to make new things. One of my favorite stories about animatronics with Walt is that when Mr. Link, they had great moments with Mr. Lincoln at the World's Fair. And at one point, he sprouted oh, okay. a leak, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the problem was the 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 oil was like a reddish oh. color, right? And so it really okay. freaked people out because people oh, thought this person was real. <laughs> I mean, they they yeah. did, you know? And from the hydraulic fluid. So Walt being Walt, you know, look, if it was me, I would have said, like, oh, man, we sprung a leak. Let's fix that before next time. And Walt goes, no, no, no. We're going to create something new, and he's the first time you ever get electromechanical technology in the, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it comes into the Tiki Room in 1963, and it's just, it's one of the, now you've got, you know, um, they have a pneumatic movements that are that are triggered by the sound and all that kind of stuff. So, it look, he's always innovative and always moving to something more. He's never stagnant. I think that's the one thing that a lot of theme parks almost catch themselves doing at times is, hey, we built a brand new roller coaster. We can sit back for 20 years. You know, we can sit back for 10 years. We don't have to do this. We don't have to tell the story. You know, whenever you look at Disney, uh, Disneyland, Disney World, the fact that they're always striving to be better is is what makes Disney Disney. Um, Mike, you, actually, I think Jason, it was you earlier that talked about it. Um, the one thing that Walt definitely took pride in, and you, this really makes a theme park either great or terrible is the cleanliness of a park. Um, and and he was an innovative uh, person when it came to the cleanliness of. Oh, parks. it's essential. I mean, that's I think that's why uh, Mike. Maybe you can agree with me here, and that that's why the Hershey Park was such a comparison because it was so clean. You know, I mean, when yep. listen, when a park is clean, I. F- I, and, and maybe it's a false sense of security, but I feel safe. I feel 
like I'm not gonna get germed up. I feel like you know I don't. It's not a dirty place. It's um, something I want to take pride in. You know, it's just I don't know feng shui. Is that was that the word feng shui? Yeah. But yeah, everything yeah. works good, man. And that is one selling point that got me was the cleanliness of the Disney parks. Oh yeah, I can definitely agree with that. You know, I'm I'm in sanitation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and and I, you know, and I know what a I'll, I'll walk into a lot of garages and shops. And a good clean garage doesn't mean it's yeah. a good mechanical garage. It doesn't mean the guys there are good, but it just gives that appearance. They know what they're like, doing. They care. You know, yeah. yeah, everything's everything's on point. And then some of these shops you walk into, and it's a complete mess, and there's oil all over the floor, and it's it's just skanky and whatnot, and it just gives a whole different feeling. Same thing when it comes to being on vacation. You know, you want to be in that comfortable, clean. You know, like. They, it goes that extra mile to keep the place clean, and you feel like that they're going to go their extra mile with everything else. It almost becomes like a customer service type thing where you know if they're going to take that much pride in making sure that there's not gum on the bottom of the seat that they're going to take pride in making sure you're having a good time. Because I love the cleanliness of the park so much, I have no problems telling the guy cleaning the restrooms how thankful I am for him doing that. I always, always yeah, do I that too. because, man, I'll tell you what, a clean bathroom is is gold, you know, because it just, it, it, you know, I don't want to go to a gas station at Disney World, you know. Um, the guys sweeping the streets, um, you know, our white our white suit guys, um, guys, I, I, I cannot give them guys enough credit. I mean, I love giving them the props that they deserve, you know. And another thing, too, is, and this is just a personal thing. It also installs with my kids where no one is below us. Everybody has a very important job because without them, this park is garbage. It's trash. Just because a guy is sweeping the streets doesn't mean that he's any less than anybody else. He deserves the credit for making this well-oiled machine go. You know, so and they see that they see that interaction that I have with these guys and 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 talking with them a little bit. And uh, and I'll tell you what, guys. Those are some of the best employees that I've ever encountered. Yep. Super nice. Most of them are older and retired and probably don't got a worry in the world. You know what I'm saying? As far as like, I'm just at Disney having a great time. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, what a great group of people. And I encourage everybody to, uh, you know, to take take notice of those people and uh, slap the high five and hello and thank you. Uh, guys, it makes a big difference. Also, they're the most knowledgeable people in the parks. <laughs> they are, yes. Because... Because they aren't mm-hmm. limited to a certain area, they're moving around. They're you know, and I had a great conversation with a cast member. Um, he was an older gentleman. He was retired, and um, I, I I said uh, he said he said this is my favorite thing that I do is whenever I, I sweep the streets, and I said well why is that? And he goes because I can talk to all the kids, and my grandkids yeah. live far away, and I don't yeah. get to see them that often. He said, and I get to talk to all the kids and see these smiling faces every day. And I'm like, man, you're the best. Uh, big high five. Talk for a while. Um, the cleanliness of the parks is is something that I think other theme parks strive for. Other theme parks look at Disney and want to be that. You know, and it goes back to Walt sitting at Griffith Park. You know, sitting on the bench and watching the girls on the merry-go-round. And he would watch people walk. And they would have trash in their hand. And he would, he would count the steps of how long they would hold that trash for looking for a trash can, you know? And then he when he designed Disneyland, he said, I want a trash can every so many steps because that's how many steps people will hold trash for. I mean, that's how at- attentive he was to the minute things that he knew would make a bigger deal in the long run. Um, you know, also a huge, huge influence on Walt with the cleanest of the park was um, Tivoli Gardens in Denmark. 
one of his favorite places was Tivoli Gardens, and it uh, he he really got to know that park in 1951 when he went out to visit Art Linkletter, and um, they were talking and they were at at the park, and this is the same park that inspired inspired Main Street um, because the the trees in Tivoli Garden had little twinkling lights. And it had the that feel of a small town feel. You know, it had the barbershop. It had the the place where you go buy clothes. It had all that kind of stuff. And so that inspired Main Street. And he when he walked in, he said to Artie, he said, This is the cleanest place I've been. This is this is you know and it was. It was an absolutely amazing place. And so those two places really influenced Walt and and his uh his wanting to have a theme park that's based on cleanliness. And now you see theme parks around the they world. Try. They try. But I don't think anyone's going to match that. They can't. Two reasons. Number one, even your upper management is not above picking up trash. You know, if you'll see the guys walking around in their suits, they have the little trash picker up with them, right? I don't know how much trash they really mm-hmm. pick up, but but no one's above picking up the trash and keeping the park clean. And number two is the personal pride that our cast members have. It, it makes a big difference when you have yes. personal pride in your job. You know, a lot of these, look, I'm not saying, look, there's some cat, you know, there's cast members that are going to have bad days. There's maybe some that don't like their job because it's just a job, you know, I, and let's be realist here. But overall, your cast members, um, they have pride in their job, you know, and, and, and that makes a yes. huge difference if you care about what, what you want your, your guests to see versus I'm just here for a paycheck. Hundred percent. Well, you know, once you have a clean park, you can really spend your time concentrating on other areas. Um, a couple, two more, just to just to jump into. One is something that Walt understood the responsibility to tell and the responsibility to hold in the parks, um, and that's nostalgia. Walt understood that people like where they came from, or you know, they understood a time of the past, and so Walt always implemented things that were comfortable for people. Um, and that brings me to Main Street USA. You know, as you walk down, you have that sense of nostalgia. Now, this is something I don't think a lot of theme parks do well. And if they do, they do it through maybe old movies we've watched or old TV shows we've watched, artwork, things of that nature. Walt Disney was one of the most nostalgic people, and he passed that on to future generations. You know, and, and the nostalgia aspect, it starts before you ever enter an attraction. It starts before... You know, you you have gone through the gift shop. It starts with the queue, guys. Walt Disney. I don't think a lot of people realize that he his idea of how you were going to wait to board one of his attractions was revolutionary. Walt Disney created the switchback. Um, for those of you who don't know what switchback is, you've waited in it many times. It's those lines that go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And the reason he did this was because he wanted people, he wanted to be able to tell a story to a mass amount of people and to, you know, let's take the Matterhorn, for example. Once you're in the switchbacks, you're looking up at the Matterhorn. You're, you're being told the story as you hear people, guests come down and through. Um, he was a revolutionary person. And not only talking about Walt with the switchbacks, but now let's fast forward to present day, guys, with the FastPass system. Let's let's talk about the um, interactive stuff that goes on with the queues. You're no longer just waiting for a ride. I mean, look, let's 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 call it what it is. You may have some long waits for rides, right? I mean, it's especially when you've mm-hmm. got children. Um, and and I'm gonna say, as ride queues evolved, do they not just get better and better, almost to the point where 
man, maybe I don't even want to, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I can see it getting to that point where maybe I'm not going to get a fast pass because I'm enjoying this queue just as much as I'm going to enjoy the attraction. Yeah. Look at Avatar. Sure. Look at Flight of Passage. Yep. Beautiful. You don't see that yeah, if you fast pass it. Right. I got to tell you, you know? some of our best times at Disney are waiting for rides because we're reconnecting with the family. You know, we're, we're, if you're in a comfortable air-conditioned area, even if you're not being told the story, you're still having that alone time with your family, maybe just chatting, maybe having a conversation, putting your phones away. Maybe you're in a building where the signal's not that good, so your kids can't be Snapchatting and, and doing all that, you know, social media stuff. So it gives you that nice little break. But... It's, it's a comfortable queue. It's a comfortable area, and it's a familiar place, and it's something that, as a family, you can bond in that area because, you know, you've been there before or because you know the story. But it, it's definitely special than just some kind of mass waiting area. Uh, like you said, with, with the getting, a, getting a fast pass and, and skipping the queue— I mean, there's a few that I would skip the queue on, you know, that, that I, there's a few that I wouldn't skip the queue on. Yeah, I think that it's one of those things where when you look at it, go, it, it goes back to the theming, the storytelling, the design, you know, all those things we've talked about previously in Walt's mind of what he expected from his parks. And that's where we have to give huge credit to the uh, Imagineers of present day, that they still hold those those ideas that Walt had um, that, that, that still plays a huge role in their thinking of new attractions, is how can we start telling a story before these people ever sit down in a ride vehicle you know it's 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 just a huge huge part of of what they do now and you look around the world of course the show is about you know how do how does it affect other theme parks you're starting to see this now you're starting to see other theme parks implement storytelling in the queues Uh, mike and i just did the universal show on the simpsons and you're talking about look the storytelling starts way back they have a pre-show they have all this stuff that maybe you didn't get 20 30 40 years ago um in these other theme parks outside of disney now you're starting to see this revolutionize other theme parks around the world that a queue is not just a line you're waiting in it is a part of the overall story of what you're about to experience. It's uh, it's exciting. It really is. I mean, it's really exciting. Now, yeah. let me ask you: in the future rides coming up, what queue has got you most excited about? Ooh, <laughs> uh, probably. Probably really? Tron. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to right. see some. Yeah, I'd like to see some really. I'd like to see some really cool stuff. You know what? Either that or Mary Poppins. See, I'm going Guardians, man. I mean, I'm thinking Guardians. I thought really? about that too. I thought about it too. But think about what that used to be like, right? When you would wait to go on mm-hmm. Ellen. Like, I wonder if that's just going to be all switchbacks through there. If there are going to be different rooms you go through telling I don't stories, know, man. I don't oh, know. I will say this: the Guardians Tower of Terror yeah. in Disneyland. That, that I YouTube that, amazing. so I don't got to write it when I go there. So, so we're all good. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. No, you got to write it. No, you're right. Yeah, no, you're yeah right. it was the high definition. I'm all good. Um, no, I'm excited. The Tron is going to be exciting, man. I Look, here's the, here's the thing. Oh, Disney cannot drop the ball on these new attractions. They have to be on yeah. point, man. They have apart. to be on point. What, Mike, what about you? Guardians? They haven't, though. They've, they've, been, they, they've been good. Ah, uh, yeah, Guardians. You, I was thinking the same yeah. thing, Guardians. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it, I keep, I keep picturing in my mind that carpet in Ellen's, where it was just that massive room you would wait in but to that, go that's in. That's such a big room to do so much with. Yeah, but and then that's, true. that's a lot of real estate. Added, it's a look, lot I saw of room the to do something good. Attraction. It's 
Oh, man. It's immense, guys. It's just immense. But you know which one I bet's going to have the mm. best one? Ratatouille? Nope. Where they replaced the great movie ride with the Minnie and Mickey. I bet you'd be fine. Oh, it's yeah. going to be great. I, I bet it's going to be good. I bet it's going to be old school. I wonder if it's going to be the same way where it's switchbacks and plays the old school Mickey cartoons. I wonder. I don't know. There's some really fun stuff. But hey, you, you mentioned Mary Poppins. Um, I, I, I don't. I'm really hoping that this is one of those rides because I love Mary Poppins. And I'm hoping this is one of those rides yeah. where I'm just kind of like a Peter Pan where you're just you're transported to, you know, to different lands. I really hope this is an attraction where, like, I can really connect with that time frame and this movie and the people in it. Yeah, London man. So, like, and, yeah. when I leave it, it's kind of like I want it to be one of those places where six months later I'm sitting there going, man, I would love to go back there and just experience that again. You know, like I am with the land, you know, yeah. coming around the old farmhouse right there. I love that. So I really hope Mary Poppins lives up to what you know. I'm not gonna. I never put a a mark on an attraction because I don't want to be let down. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping that it uh, it does transport me to. Uh, it gives me that element of escapism there. And you know, before we close this up, the one thing we've got to touch on is the fact that because of the things we talked about tonight, companies around the world search out the Disney company, and they search out Walt Disney's uh, work ethic and his ideas to bring back to their own company. So when you talk about these other theme parks and how they try to model themselves uh, with Walt Disney, Walt Disney World, Disneyland, it doesn't just stop with theme parks. It goes to businesses and corporations around the world. You know, this is something I wanted to touch upon because I actually have experience firsthand with this. Um, For more than 30 years, the Disney Institute has been training companies, corporations, uh, hospitals, all sorts of different types of uh, corporations and businesses. Uh, Besides me working for the city for the past 20 years, I also spent 10 years working for the New York Mets to feed my Disney addiction and I needed a little extra cash. So, you know, most dads work a second job and I worked for the Mets for about 10 years. The New York Mets were part of the Disney Institute program. Uh, the New York Mets would go to, they would send their front office people down to Florida and they would work with Disney executives and they would learn things like uh, people skills, like uh, being good to employees, the the whole Disney model of how they run their company. And, um, I, I, and I saw a lot of that shine through. And it's funny because I... As a Disney person, you know, for going for all of these years, I could see the similarities in how they wanted their ballpark run compared to the way Disney runs their theme park. One of the small examples was the name tags. You know, we would have our name tags. I was a supervisor there, and I would have my name, and they wanted the town you were from because it created that that personal relationship with the guests as they came in. You know, we never wanted the guests, we never wanted the fans that came to the ballpark to be called fans. They were always our guests. Similar to the way Disney. Disney refers to us as guests. So there's a lot of tie-ins. You know, one time I was doing security for the Wilpons. They were doing some kind of uh, charity event, and I just happened to be talking to uh, Fred Wilpon, who was one of the owners of the Mets. And I said to him, because we were just chatting, I said, you know, I've been a long-term, a long-time Disney person, and I see a lot of the great parts of the Disney company related in your business here. And he explained to me that they use the Disney Institute. And that's, I looked into a little bit more. And they use that training model to train us. And it's pretty cool how that customer service level carries over to other people. And uh, they've been doing it for a long time. It's really important that we hit that because 
companies nowadays see the Disney model and they see the Disney model of even the parks like you were talking about, Mike. I mean, the, the what in the world would the New York Mets and the, you know, and, and Walt Disney World, the Magic Kingdom have in common? And all of a sudden you guys are wearing the same name tags. Right. You know, it's, it's it's a family type atmosphere, and that's what they wanted, and they wanted it to be. You know, you go to a ballpark, you spend a lot of money. You know, uh, you go out with a family of four, you're spending four or five hundred dollars. You go to a theme park, you're spending a lot of money also. So I think a lot of these businesses and corporations want you to have that feeling that you're getting something more for your money. You're getting that extra, that little bit of extra customer service. You know, we were also taught as supervisors that. There was you always went above and beyond for the customer. It was very similar to a Disney experience. How you always went that extra mile for somebody if they were if they were expressing to you that they were having a hard time or something was bad or something was ruining their experience. They wanted you to go above and beyond and make it right for them. Very similar to how if you have a bad experience in a Disney park, they do that for you. Yo, Mike, I think uh, I think I dropped my wedding ring. Uh, what? Uh, where's this truck going? Uh, you gonna come out there and help me dig in the trash, or uh, how much customer service are we talking here, there, buddy? Are you talking about with the Mets? We're talking about the okay. Mets. Yeah. No. Um. And, and I wanted to uh, um, touch on that with you being with the Mets. Did you see a change, or did you see any? Like, did they take the advice of the stuff that they learned and implement it into their like their SOPs? It's funny because the the people that really enjoyed working there, the people that did it for the enjoyment of the job, they really took it to heart, and they would go above and beyond for people. Then you had the people that were there that were just for the job, you know, because they. Yeah, you know, oh, listen, I, you know, I, I'm doing this or whatever, and I just got to pay the bills. You can see that they wouldn't go that above and beyond. Uh, but the people that did it because they liked it, you would see the real change in them and how they would go above and beyond. Yeah, New Yorkers out. are a tough bunch, though, man. That's quite a bit. Those those guys walking into the stadium are way different than the guys walking through the turnstiles at <laughs> Magic Kingdom. So I'm just <laughs> yeah, curious no on doubt, how right? this customer yeah. service. I mean, it's kind of like. And they, one of the things that they pride themselves on was they wanted everybody that came in there, even if you were in a visiting team uniform, if you were, if you know, if you if you were a Met, if you were at a Met game and you came in with a Dodger hat and you came in with a, you know, a Braves hat or whatever it was, they wanted you to feel right. like you were still at home, like you still belong there, like it was a welcome place for you to be because, you know what. Honestly, the Mets stunk, and uh, when you have uh, not such a good ballpark, or not such a good, when you have not such a good ball team, you got to do something to bring them in. So they had good food and good customer service, and that's what helped put fans yeah. in the stands quite a bit because you had that warm, comfortable experience. That even if the team wasn't doing so good, you know what? I'm still going to go there and have a good time with dad. I'm still going to go there and have a good time with my daughter. We're still going to go there and have a good time as a family with grandpa because it's that warm, inviting, nice customer feel appreciation. Hey good food and a good drink while you're in the stands. Come on. Nothing Nothing is better. Yeah, it's perfect. We all did that while you guys were that here. Was yeah, it was a, perfect. That was a perfect, was, perfect day good. and night and morning. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a little longer than yeah. just a day. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know what, guys? Uh, this, has been, this has been great to talk about because I don't think a lot of people realize when they go to their local theme parks the influence that Walt Disney and Disney World and Disneyland have had over their, their theme parks. Um, the one thing that we love to do is listen, it's not too often that you get to design a Facebook group and, uh, and you know, everyone on there is talking about the theme of their day. Maybe they're, they're telling stories 
as uh, as their lives go through uh, and telling their their stories of how they enjoy Disney and how they clean and clean their house and try to keep it just like Disney and the nostalgic aspect of their pictures on Throwback Thursday come through. But I don't want to wait one minute in the queue before we get into this week's Picks of the Week. Wow. How'd I do, Mike? Did I do okay? You did good. You did okay. Oh, thanks, man. You did okay. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. That's I was right. just trying to drag it out as much as possible. <laughs> so I guess that brings me to my favorite thing to do every week. Picks of the Week. Brought to you by Way With Me Trap. Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Time for it's us time to for get us our picks of, of the week. Well, our favorite thing to do every week, picks of the week, guys. And uh, listen, you guys are looking fantastic yourselves over here. But today, I am going to go with my good buddy Jason. Yeah, first. this has been this has been a good good trend here, guys. I've uh, I've really um, I've been eating up this whole first first go around thing. I'm kind of feeling special here. I, I special. Am, I, That's it. I'm, You're putting up Christmas, and so yeah, am I. So yeah. I'm going with you, okay? Ebenezer, can Ebenezer, <laughs> uh, Lori Templeton Euler has been on a great trip. She's been taking us on um, quite the journey and posting and keeping us up to date with it. And I just want to say, uh, amazing. Um, I will. I will quote Tim Jackson. The pictures from this trip have been epic. So well said, Tim Jackson, on Lori's post. So Lori, thank you. So anyway, my pick of the week is awesome shirts made by Robert Parker. That, you know, we just got off that whole Haunted Mansion, you know, stretching room stuff. And those two of my favorite things, Star Wars and Haunted Mansion. What an awesome shirt. You did a great job uh, designing that and printing it. Very cool. Robert, you have my pick of the week. Uh, My pick of the week, guys, is going to our good, good buddy, Charles Mary. He is in Disney with his 91-year-old grandma. Every time they go down together, it is always amazing, uh, the pictures that come. The look on (laughs) her face with Goofy is the best. It's just that makes my day. Absolutely makes my day uh, to see those two down there having a great time, and they took time together because, look, those are memories you will always have, both of you, and that's just that's what it's all about, guys. That's why we do this is to see memories like that, and that's why we love this Facebook group so much. He really had some great pictures with characters and grandma. Awesome, it's yeah, he really I love did. It. Thank you, Charles, for sharing them. You know, that's going to be me. But yeah, that's going to be you in the chair. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm 100%, saying. Man, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm taking pictures with random bowling alley characters over here. Yeah, yeah, you know, my kids are like they—they're so accustomed to the characters. I see they see the guy at uh, you know Chi-Chi's Pizza, and they run up and want to hug him. <laughs> like, hold on, there, buddy. Wait, 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 wait. Chi-Chi's Whatever, or dude. Chi-Chi's? I'm just throwing something out there. Because I, I wanted to say showbiz, but I think that place has been closed for like 114 years too. So I just threw it out there. I didn't know if you had. I wasn't calling. Yeah, I just didn't know if you had a different like pizza chain up there no. that we didn't have here. We don't even have them in New York. You don't have CC's? What do you no. mean? No. Man, we used to. That's a hundred percent New York pizza. Yeah. Right. It's not even that. It's the fact of like the brownie thing they put out and the. Oh my gosh. And you can eat for like six bucks. It's I've... great. You can't even get like Domino's doesn't even last around here. They don't last. They 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 pop up and they're gone. Papa John's they're done. They last about a month and then they're gone. There's so many other good places to go to. Why would you even eat that nonsense? <laughs> Frozen. 
Might as well go to Walmart and get a frozen there's, pizza. There's it's nothing the same wrong. Thing. There's nothing wrong that's with what that. We, that's, that's what we ate yesterday. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Jeez. Mike, you don't like Christmas. You don't like frozen pizza. What? What's up with you? Ugh. Look at him. I just want to listen. Can we have an intervention right now for Mike's happiness, okay? Because we just need to get him some frozen pizzas, get some Christmas I'm trees up your in his house. Serotonin levels might be a little low. May I may I recommend yeah. some Here. happy pills, happy mood pills? Can I? You you know you know your new theme song is "Where Are You Christmas." <laughs> I'm enjoying my turkey and my stuffing and my potatoes oh my first. Oh gosh, what a heathen! What a heathen! Away. Save the pine cones and eggnog for the day after. All right, fine. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Well, guys, uh, I tell you what. I've had an absolute blast. Before I turn it over to you all to, uh, to close this thing up, uh, guys, do me a favor right now. Pick up your phones. Go to iTunes for me and slap us five stars. If you guys are enjoying the show, uh, we really appreciate it. That's how you kind of give your virtual hug to us is, uh, is by doing that. It helps us grow the show, reach more people. Um, we've gotten some just great emails from people this week. Uh, a great way to uh, get a hold of us, too, guys, is through our email. It's DisneyDadsPodcast at gmail.com. You can find all of our information at www.DisneyDadsPodcast.com. I'm going to be redoing the website very shortly, so it'll be much more streamlined. You'll be able to find shows easier. Um, when we first started, it was easy to scroll down through 30 shows. Now scrolling down through 100 is uh, a little more time-consuming. So there'll be one link to everything. Um, guys, there will also be a link to our patron. Uh, if you are interested in helping the show, uh, helping us uh, with the financial aspects of the show and to help us put out more and more content, uh, that link will be there for you. And we've got lots of fun content coming out for our patron uh, family um, to some special bonus episodes coming very, very shortly and uh, also a special Facebook group. So you can go there and do that. Uh, guys, for me, it's been a fantastic evening. I always love talking Walt Disney, the Disney parks, and uh, the influence they've had on the other theme parks around the world. Um, close it up oh, for yeah. me, fellas. I'll, I'll close it up, if you don't mind. I, I, well, do you want to go you first? Go first. Or do you want me to go first? Hmm. Guys, I had a great time talking about it. It's so nice to see the influences that carry over. Uh, I had a great time talking with you guys tonight, and uh, see you next week. Yeah, guys, I want to say have an incredible, incredible rest of your Wednesday, if you're picking this up on Wednesday. Have an incredible weekend. Uh, be safe. I hope you guys had a safe weekend um, on the previous weekend. I know we get a long weekend. Do you guys get off uh, Veterans Day, Mike? Yeah, you get a nice mm-hmm. three-day? Yep. Two no, days? we might be getting snow. Oh, you so might, we might be, be working. working okay. Um, and and for uh, our, our, world line, uh, our worldwide listeners, I would like to say thank you. Um, I really get – listen, we don't give you guys enough credit. Um, you know, our U.K. followers, our German, you know, all these guys from around the world. Um, I, you know, maybe I should make that a point. I'm going to start calling out countries here every couple shows, you know, just to – just to uh, just that. to give yeah. you guys uh, my big warm hug, um, because I've been around the world a few times. I know that you know it's uh, it, look you, you you guys standing next to each other, um, we're the same people through and through uh, with one common thing, and that is our love for Disney. That's what brings you here. And uh, with that, my two best friends, you guys have an incredible night. I will see you here shortly. Hopefully, Mike will stay up for just a few more minutes after this. And with that, gentlemen, thank you for an incredible evening. Good night, guys. (laughs) Good night, buddy. Good night, man. From Mike, Justin, and myself, we want to say thank you. And remember, always keep it Disney.
Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin. Let the and that's a wrap. This has been YDF Media Productions.